0: Hey Gritty friends, so excited you are here. This marks our first episode, and I really wanted to give you some of my background, how I wanna help you, and the trail we are about to go on. I decided to start a podcast to give the harsh love some of us need to hear when it comes to business, goals, accountability, good idea fairies, last minute Larrys, all the way to helping you see the successes you want. We will also dive into how to stay focused today, covering three ways to stay on task helping you to be successful in getting things done. These steps are easy and can be implemented in minutes. They are great steps for those of us who forget what we need to do, we call this unfocused, have so much to do we don't know where to start, called overwhelmed, which leaves us feeling stuck or frozen and we stop moving in our day. Feeling like you're in the right place but want more? come join my free Facebook community at The Gritty Coach. To be sure these messages get to those who need it the most, writing a quick review is the easiest way to let others know they should hear this. It would be greatly appreciated and a blessing if you would drop to the bottom of the podcast and look for the Write the Review in Purple, telling myself and others what you thought of the podcast. Now let's go get gritty. Friends, welcome to The Gritty Coach. If you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, or even stuck in your business, don't worry. I completely know where you're coming from, and I've been there before. But now you want to get some clarity, a plan, and you're ready to take your business to the next level, then you are in the right place. My name's Erica, and I'm The Gritty Coach. Just a little about me. I'm a veteran, a wife, a boy mom, a twin mom, and a fur mom. And after 20 years in the Navy and my unique life experiences, I am here to help you smooth and polish your business practices through what I like to call gritty love. So if you think you're tough enough, sit back, buckle up and let's get gritty. Let's just go back to the beginning. I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. I didn't have the average childhood, both good and the bad, like most kids. My parents divorced when I was like five or six. And so a couple years later, they actually realized that they made much better friends than they did as a married couple. And that had its whole unique set of consequences that I could have never have imagined as a now eight year old. What did that mean for me? My parents lived six blocks apart. I spent three days a week at my dad's and four days a week at my mom's. It also meant that when they both got remarried and I got into trouble, I had the board of parents to punish me. That's four adults that got really mad at me and had to put me in my place. My mom unfortunately passed away from cancer when I was 13, almost 14. No age is right, but teenage years are definitely tough. So far, nothing isn't anything you haven't heard of. Where it got strange... My dad had a pet shop when I was young. He boarded exotic animals back in the day. hmm <laughs> yes, I'm older. Even before my parents had gotten divorced, um, there was a gentleman that came in and decided to board a chimpanzee with my dad at the store, and he never returned to pick her back up. My dad decided to keep her. Her name was Dina. Realizing just how smart she was and how fond he had become of her, he started to teach her things. He taught her how to eat with silverware, taught her to wear clothing, she even wore a diaper. Eventually, this had evolved into an entertainment business. I know, this is just totally crazy. Just a note here, he does not have them anymore and they have been well cared for in a private primate and the Miami zoos across the country. Okay, so back to my story. Now, as far as I can go back in my head, I know my dad was always in the entertainment business. He had uh, Kelly, Kelly, and Cohen. That was their names. Like I'm trying to put it all back together. So I think it was two rabbits and a chicken, and they would dance, and uh, the chicken would scratch for math problems. bunny could, the rabbit could play the piano, like, and they did all these tricks and they had, you know, my dad would travel around with them. So like, that's, I can remember all of that. So, so my dad being in the entertainment business has always been in my life growing up. So I, it was just sort of the norm. So there was no surprise when he decided to take, it was no surprise when he decided to take Dina and start, you know, taking her to birthday parties and anniversaries and store openings, store closings. Over the years, growing up, he actually eventually acquired four chimpanzees altogether, and I'll go and I'll go into each one of those um, a little later in the story. But the second chimpanzee, and I cannot remember for the life of me how he got Lulu, um, but she was the second one that we had. Here comes Lulu. Now Lulu and I were a little more friendly than Dina and I were. Lulu and I would color together, we'd hang out together. My dad would allow us to interact together more. Now, my dad loves to tell the story of when I was a little girl, how Lulu and I would color together. And I loved coloring. We would sit out back on the porch. I can remember seeing this uh, in my head that we were sitting down the back porch one day and she was coloring on one side and I was coloring on the other side. And I went to go tell my dad, I'm like, Daddy, um, I don't want to color with Lulu anymore. And my dad was like, why? And I said, because she can't stay in the lines. <laughs> So obviously I had a like perfectionist tendency from a very young age, even with a chimpanzee, (laughs) no qualms about telling him that she couldn't do it. I don't want to be around her. I can't color with her anymore. This is no longer acceptable. Overall, we had four chimpanzees that lived with us over the 17 years of my life. Dina eventually became big Dina. As the first one, Lulu, Little Dina, and then Bubba, our only male who was the baby from Big Dina. As I got older, I really got to enjoy more with Little Dina and Bubba. And what I can tell you is Little Dina and I had a very strained relationship. (laughs) She thought she sort of had my dad all to herself. I sort of thought I had my dad all to myself. And therefore there was a big jealousy thing. Not as much on me, but totally on her. And it got to the point where like, I couldn't even go near her. Um, She would go crazy. She tried to bite me a few times. She got very, very jealous and super excited whenever I'd walk into the room. So with little Dina, I really had to be careful not to, you know, too much alone time with her. That just saved me from, you know, whether or not I got hurt or she got upset or whatever the case may be with her. But I can tell you that there are so many fun stories that she did. Um, things that she had done throughout her lifetime with us, whether she, it was from painting, she learned how to paint, she painted with her toes, she painted with her hands. It didn't matter. She painted with Cool Whip, with food coloring to make it so that she could eat it until we really taught her how to not eat the paint. And she even eventually learned how to strip. That's right. Stripping chimpanzees to David Rose, the stripper, my first stepmother, would create all the outfits for her and she would strip down to um, diaper and, and pasties and it would have some sort of greeting on the back of the diaper wishing someone a happy birthday or happy anniversary or congratulations, whatever the case may be. So that's probably where everything was really weirder in my childhood because that was the entire, like that was until I was 17. So pretty much until I almost graduated high school, there was always a chimpanzee in the house and all the other animals we always had. Now I do have loads of fun stories growing up that I'm going to share over all the episodes and sort of how they related to who I've become and how those experiences have influenced my life over the years. What I can tell you right now is that little Dina and Bubba not only met some of the most well-known and loved Dallas Cowboys, but visited almost every school I went to growing up, except high school, thankfully. When I would go roller skating, my stepmother would bring Bubba to pick me up. Really, it was like having hairy brothers and sisters. No offense to my real sister and brother. They are not hairy. With all the animals I had growing up in our house, with from dogs, cats, birds, fish, pig and all the way to the chimpanzees it probably shouldn't surprise you that i actually wanted to be a veterinarian for you know all the love of animals that we had in our family my dad has always had a connection with animals and that has sort of just passed down to me um, and my love for animals and helping them i actually should say my mom had the exact same thing taking in strays taking in i think we fixed a couple birds we fixed cats we done all sorts of things over the years when I was growing up. Uh, so really my both my parents had a true love for all things fur feathered. Yeah, it didn't last long since I don't have the stomach for euthanizing. And at that time, they didn't really make a lot of money. So I switched to pre-med. I became so scared though of failure and disappointment to my dad, I didn't even apply to the universities to try and get in. I'm sure I could have gotten in, I had good grades, Loved being part of the school student body in college, but my fear of failure got the better of me. So what did I do? You know, the normal stuff, join the military with my suite mate from our dorm. Jody and I went to visit the recruiter about joining the reserves. Yeah, that's not where that stayed. We thought we would just have some money on the side and still go to school. So five years later for active duty, and off we went. I at least did manage to stay in the medical field, and she and I became a hospital corpsman together. We went to boot camp together, got in, into loads of trouble there. I have always had quite a mouth on me. And my dad, if you ever get the chance to talk to him, will tell you that he never spanked me because it was never my butt that got me in trouble. It was always my mouth. So no doubt I have lived up to that in my Navy days. I got a whole lot of extra exercise attention. Jody and I graduated boot camp and off we went to corps school in San Diego. Graduated corps school and unbeknownst to us, we were getting orders for our first tour. Jody and I got signed up for field medical service school and that meant we were going with the Marines. Not what I signed up for. I even called my recruiter who by now we had become friends and was mad. I expressed that now I didn't have to run the Navy 1.5 miles, but now I had to run the Marine Corps 3 miles. The hikes, the gear. Geez, I was so not happy about this. But Jody and I made the best of it and off we went. Here I learned my biggest lesson in life. But I didn't know it until probably 20 years later. By this time I had boy troubles, financial troubles, and self-esteem troubles. Every instructor knew my name and I was always in the volleyball pit in the up position for push-ups. If they weren't going to kill me, they certainly made me strong. When we went out on our last hump for eight miles and then a week in the field, there was a master sergeant there who we all thought was bat bleep crazy. Again, reminding you I had financial troubles, boy troubles, and trouble was following me. This master sergeant pulled me aside inside the tent and said, doc, your life is like the fog of war. And that's pretty much where he lost me. But I listened. He said, you're on this road and the fog is all around and in front of you. You need to focus on the road you can see and do not look out into the fog, tune it out. I thought, really? I'm 21 and already my life is like the fog of war? He's crazy. Well, no, he wasn't. It was one of the smartest pieces of advice anyone could have given me. This became how I learned to focus and actually get things done. As our journey and episodes keep going, I will pull from these experiences of where I was and what I did to overcome, showing you how I became a successful leader in the Navy. I retired six years ago after serving 20 years. Grit is all about resilience. We learn resilience our whole lives. Sometimes we're not as resilient as we wanna be, and that's okay. It is always a work in progress, but being open to gritty love, as I like to call it, is open for new ideas to help move you forward. If you think of sandpaper grit, an 80 grit is gritty. It's going to strip down the layer of wood and going to get rid of all the splinters, dents, bumps, and leave you with the top layer. A 200 grit, that might be your finishing grit. It, it doesn't hurt, it just simply smooths out the edges. And then you're ready to move on. I started joking that sometimes I was so honest about what path someone needs to take or something they need to stop doing, that gritty love just kind of became a thing. It showed friends that I care and I may be hard or harsh, but it all comes from a good place of wanting to help you. I usually get the grittiest when I talk about focus. Why? Um, because I've done it and I know better. Then I get gritty to myself. Hello, McFly, you know better. Well, you have all this junk stored in your head and it clogs your ability to think clearly concisely, or even orderly. So I want to focus on focus. I used to get up at night remembering all the things I'd forgotten to do in a panic and then afraid I would forget them or deciding on what consequences I might face when I didn't do them and I didn't sleep the rest of the night. When I began focusing on checklists or to-do lists, as cheesy as it sounds, I was finally able to sleep through the night again. I stopped waking up. I had already written it down. I already knew what to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I do occasionally wake up with actually, oh my goodness, this is such a great idea thoughts. And then I generally will write them down. Anybody who has been dealing with ADHD or even just super busy people, a checklist is important. It frees your mind to focus on the important things, but it goes a little further than that. Let's just start with today and start small. If you feel overwhelmed by the amount of tasks you have to get done today, let's just get some quick tips in to help one, Create a checklist, super simple, right? But jot down as many things as you can remember now and as the day goes, because you know we can't remember it all now, more will come, just keep jotting. This basically is like a brain dump of activities, tasks that you need to get done. Number two, prioritize them. I usually number them. Number one is cannot be put off any longer, must get done today. Now it may change as the day unfolds, That's okay, but you have to start somewhere. Number three, start with the top three priorities. Those have to items for today. Like can't put them off to tomorrow because you've already put them off for like a week. And number four, do one of them. Start with one of those three. Finish it, take a break. This clears your head and lets your mind wander and reset. If the task is a daily, type of task, then set a timer. The timer is so you don't focus on anything else for those minutes. No phone calls, no emails, no responses, of course, unless there's an emergency. But really what you're trying to do with the timer is to focus in on the task that you actually have to get done with no distractions. And number five, now you can move on to the next task, and the next, and if you get all three done today, move on to the next number. That's why we number them. And you keep going until all the tasks are done or until your day is over. Now, depending on when you're actually listening to this podcast, I would tell you that the night before is generally the best time of the day to actually start working on your to-do list for the next day. But if you're in the middle of the day, by all means, start your checklist now. If you're in the morning, start your checklist now. Just get it down. And then each night, you'll carry over what you didn't get done for that day. The next day, Here's your starting point. Reprioritize them. Go back over steps one through five. When you start doing this continuously, your actual task list items will actually get smaller. It's when you stop and it all builds back up. That's when it all starts come rolling back in and then your list gets longer and longer. Generally my to-do list or my task lists are not more than five or six items in a day because I don't put stuff off anymore. I get it done. And I don't have to carry much over to the next day unless something crazy happened in my day and I had to reprioritize. Again, totally fine to do that. Life happens. So this just covered so much stuff today. A lot of introduction items. I really wanted you to know where I have come from and see where I am now and why I want to be here to help that even though I thought that the master sergeant was nuts, I still heard his message and I still remember it now 25 years later. It is the one message I don't think I'll ever forget. When everything seems overwhelming and you're feeling stuck or don't know where to start, start focusing on the road today. Create the checklist, prioritize, and only start with three tasks that day. This allows you to have the freedom to course correct if life happens without feeling like you did nothing. I'm a paper person, so scratching off that checklist actually feels really amazing. And when it is a task I've carried over for several days, I'll even go back and scratch off the previous days, just because it feels even better as a win. I hope you enjoyed hearing my story today, and we'll be ready for another episode next week. Just hit the follow button so you never miss out on the grit. If you feel like this resonated with you, I would be honored if you would leave a review. Just go to the bottom of the episode, click on write a review, and this helps me get the message to as many people who might just need to know and hear this too. Each week I'll be reading a review, so if you wanna get yours to be up on the top, be sure to write one, so exciting. If you're struggling with accountability and staying on task while also feeling alone, causing you to free up and do nothing, you aren't alone. Be accountable to yourself, but doing so with others in the same group just adds enough pressure to work on getting things done. We can all use this accountability to someone. So this month I'm opening up 10 spots to my Gritty Group Accountability Program. Once those 10 spots are filled, it will close enrollment until March. So if you're ready to make some changes happen, get into action, start reaching those goals and are okay with some Gritty Love, be sure to check out my link below to sign up for a spot in my Gritty Group. before you go I just get so fired up every time I read a review knowing that I got to make a difference in somebody's business and help them level up and I would love to be able to continue to do that for other women so if you feel like this podcast touched you in some way and would really love to spread the word that would mean the world to me by either writing a review you can even take a screenshot of this episode, if it was the episode that resonated with you and uh, put a copy of it on your Instagram stories. I absolutely love that. Tag me at the Gritty Coach and I would love to also put you in my stories and that way together we are actually doubling down on helping as many women as we can level up in their business. Just remember to never give up. You never fail. You just learned a way how not to do something. So keep going. Try again, and I believe in you. I'll see you next time. Don't forget to follow so you can get gritty with me again.